Welcome to the newly cleansed and refreshed In The Game podcast, where we invite you to transform your dreams into reality. Every week, we aim to touch, move, and inspire you to new possibilities for your life. My name is Sarah Maxwell, and is it really time for me to now intro my own show? Heck no! Bring in the Aussie talent to get it done. With their groundbreaking first season as The Nat and Sarah Show, the foundation has been laid for a life of manifesting your dreams. Join us as we delve into the nuts and bolts of what it really takes to bring those dream boards into reality. It's time to dust off your dreams and get back in the game of life. Are you a member of the community? Head to Facebook and search In The Game Podcast to download your three-step journal to begin the workshop-style teachings and gain exclusive access to your hosts and featured guests. Get ready to take action on your possibility. Today, we continue the conversation with the managing partner of a private occupational therapy practice in Brisbane, focusing on supporting children and families. Completing her PhD in 2011, Fiona Driver has since presented at international events and multiple academic environments in support of children experiencing the joy of childhood. Having two young children herself, she has served as an accepting and uplifting sounding board for me, as our children are only one day apart in age and we used to be neighbors. We're still pretty close. During the critical years of childhood development, we as parents carry our own baggage and expectations for our children's growth markers. Having just experienced a unique time in our history during COVID-19 isolation, where kids come from, come, came home for weeks and months, rather than the usual time spent with teachers and other students, parents has been, have been exposed more than ever to how their kids act, react, behave, learn, adjust. But have we been able to see who they really are? Are we able to look beyond the shield of expectations we have for them? Have we merely been exposed to who we really are as parents? It's fine, Fiona, you just have to solve all of that. So I brought Dr. Fiona on the call today, and I keep saying doctor because I only found out she did her PhD when we agreed to do this interview. So now she's the most humble I'm not even going to tell you that I've got a PhD kind of person. So look, Fiona, I'm really excited that you're here to, to, you know, really share experiences, knowledge, and soothe us parents as so that we can actually enjoy childhood as much as they are. So thank you for being here. Thanks for the invitation. She told me she's got only so many brain cells, guys. Okay. So we're not sure how many left. So let's start here. So we'll be gentle. Exactly. I'll be gentle. And you'll see I'm the loud one and she's the quiet one. Okay, everybody, you'll see this is the, the beautiful balance of our friendship. But Fiona, I've only known you as a mom. And, you know, we met walking around our, our little neighborhood with our little packs on. But before you ever had kids, you chose OT or occupational therapy and focused in on children. So why was that an interest for you from the beginning? Oh, I always had an interest in health and education um, right from from when I was young I used to run programs um, even as a high school student something I've always loved but I I guess I fell into occupational therapy inadvertently um, and loved it once I discovered and understood what it was I loved that the foundations of OT are in um, being really practical um, involved with individuals 
um, being evidence-based, but really focusing on supporting, um, in my case, children and families to do what's important to them. So for me, that was a great fit. Um, and I loved, I think some, there's something so special about working with children. They come without a lot of baggage. Mm-hmm. Um, they come with so much potential. And if you can see that potential with them and give them the opportunity to use it and thrive, those small changes at a young age can change their their entire trajectory um, and the way their life looks moving forward. And I think that's a really powerful um, place to work in. And so as you are always interested in the kids, what was, what's the difference been doing the work that you do before you were a mom, meaning before you're having your own personal experiences and now, you know, now you have your own two kids. Oh, I do. Um, I am probably a far better therapist now that I have (laughs) children of my own um, because nothing, I I actually, it really used to annoy me when people will say it will feel different to you when you have children of your own. Um, But it does, it does feel different to me now because um, I empathize with parents differently. I know that a parent is only as happy as their least happy child Mm. uh, because we worry about them. And that sometimes things that can seem small in the scheme of things actually really do upset kids um, and therefore, therefore families as well. And so my, um, I guess my priorities and perceptions are, are different to what they were before. Yeah, I love that you said that. I used to always get annoyed at that too. And I waited till later to have kids. So that means I was annoyed for a lot longer. Um, but when you talk about worry, I thought that was actually really beautiful. And that's how I do feel when I speak to you as a friend that you empathize really beautifully with the parent and the child. So talk to me a little bit about what you just said, that the parent is only as happy as their least happy child. And what do you, what have you been seeing, you know, especially after isolation, we kind of spoke that there's two different kinds of experience. Well, there's probably multiple experiences, Speak a little bit into worry and happiness in children right here, right now in this COVID-19 isolation band lifting. I think there is, um, we are in a time, in a difficult period of time anyway. Um, It's, I know everyone keeps saying it's unprecedented times, but what um, is different is I think as parents is we're worrying about what our future looks like and what the world looks like as we move forward. We're um, looking at what's happening overseas and in various places. And that automatically puts you in a a slightly more heightened state. Um, And then we've had the complexity of bringing children home. Um, And all of a sudden, the responsibility being entirely on on you and not on not it's not a shared load. And we know how important having that village of support can be um, and the nature of this um, pandemic has meant that we've we've taken a lot of the village out um, so it's, it is a tricky time um, I think there has been a massive information overload um, as people have attempted to reach out to support people um, accidentally what's happened is uh, families are being flooded with information um, and it is by nature, it's generalized information. It's not specific to your child and to your circumstances. And so you're having to trawl through it and work out what's relevant um, 
what's relevant to you. When we put that together with um, a society that largely is deficit focused, um, we tend to all be really comfortable talking about the things our children struggle with um, and less so about what our children excel. Um, we, um, if we go and speak to teachers and, um, and other people will often ask about the things our child is finding difficult when we're there rather than what, what's easy for them. And that's a tricky place to come from when you are a parent instead of um, when you are, are in an education setting. Wow. You just said a lot of really interesting things there um, because I, I just sort of got the, the combination of things that occurred. And as you're speaking, as you sort of, I hope everybody's doing this, you're sort of getting almost putting into an organized fashion what just happened. <laughs> when you just said this influx of information, I just visualized all these emails that I got about what you can do with your children. And, and you, all of a sudden I'm reading books on how to educate naturally, you know, like, and all this information. If your child does not create a Pinterest worthy um, variation on, on Roman settlement, they still learn. <laughs> um, and I think we did get swept up a little bit in a sense of it, it needs to look amazing. But even then, most people are doing one amazing thing. They're not being amazing in every single aspect mm. of, um, of their child's learning and life. And so um, we, uh, we get sucked into this sense that we need to be doing all this baking with them and they need to be independent and in getting dressed and we need to have this great math stuff happening and, and we need to have outdoor nature time and we need to do all this amazing art and craft work all at once. And no one does all of those things well. And somehow we have to take a photo so we can show everybody else too. Yeah, didn't happen otherwise. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Oh my gosh. It's just making me laugh now because my daughter, I don't know if Alex is your son is doing this, but if they don't stop cooking in that kitchen is driving me literally bananas. And the thing she mixes together is look, to be honest, it's amazing and it's beautiful and it's really freaking challenging on all the ingredients you have in your house. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. And we don't need to, um, we don't need to make it complicated for them either. And I, I think you know, kids, kids learn. And I think our job as parents is to keep the spark alive. Kids are born curious. They are born ready to explore and engage and show interest in the world. And our job as their parents is to protect that spark. Um, it's, it's not to, I, I'm sorry, I'm not sure who came up with this analogy originally, but it, it's one I really enjoy. It's that um, trying to teach a child without their interest is like throwing marshmallows at their head and calling it eating. You, <laughs> when they're not interested, they're not learning. Um, <laughs> and our job Where is- to get this stuff? Is this side of PhD gives you expressions like that? <laughs> um, but what I like about it is it, it's supposed to be about being interest-led. Our job is to keep that flame, that interest in learning um, and being part of the world alive. Um, that, that's our role. It's not to instill a certain set of um, learning tasks. Right. They're not, they're not a computer. You can't load a USB in and um, have the information loaded That's in. That's what I was doing. Now my, my whole kindy experience is being explained. My home kindy, I mean. Okay, hold on. So you, 
you would expect nothing else but me to say, so how do we keep that spark alive or ignited or, well, it's already ignited. So how do we keep it going, I guess? I think something that's so special about being, being a parent is you have the opportunity to, I mean, you love your child fiercely. And with that comes acceptance of who they are and what they love and what they're good at. And I think any time that you start from your child's interests and their strengths, you're going to be on the right path. Mm. The time that you start focusing on, here's a list of things that four-year-olds across the world might be able to do. Um, is where it's going to start to fall fall over. So when, just like with anyone, when you, if you're in a relationship with someone, you hone in on what they're good at and what's special about them and unique. And that's what builds that strong, strong relationship. And we, we need to do the same with kids. So my first one is always slow down, just hang out together and talk and find out what do they like? What are they interested in? And how do we, how do we, fan that that flame and in a lot of cases it's then set up um the opportunity and get out of the way because anytime we try to put an adult spin on it we usually destroy it um <laughs> so God, how true is that yeah so much because then we, we make it about us instead of about them so if you can set it up and then your job is basically to provide the opportunity provide the space and the time and then be there to celebrate it with them. But otherwise, let them, let them work it out. Um, okay, well, I hope I'm not the only one that's really getting this vision of how it could have been different. But with it, with that, I think it just soothes us all that even the things that didn't go well, I now get it. I'm like, no wonder that didn't. No wonder when I started writing it all on a board like we were at university and we had lunch planned and we had snacks planned. No wonder it went, this is Aussie, but pear-shaped. So, okay, it's all making sense. <laughs> to, be, to be fair, there's, there was additional complexity. So families that were trying to work, they were trying to fit in full-time work around having kids at home who were doing various Zoom sessions, et cetera. They didn't have that flexibility. I'm saying this from a place where I was able to have mm -hmm. um, more flexibility. But what I'm finding, even as I return to work, is if we we have a lot of children that remote learning was a disaster for them um and when we've taken a step back and gone back to what does this what does this child love um because our values the, that we want to instill in these kids are an ongoing a lifelong love of learning a lifelong love of being around people and having um, those connected relationships a lifelong love of um, engaging in leisure activities and sport and being out outside um, those those lifelong habits that we want mm. to instill and that education is about becoming a an adult who can um, be independent and engaged and doing something that's meaningful to them mm. then when we come back to that it's easier to work out what where we need to spend our energy and if you've got a child that is absolutely hating maths and refusing to participate but we'll happily sit and work through um, the family budget and work through um, plotting out how many kilometers you can drive for the next family road trip. Well, that, that's still maths, but that's maths that means something to them. And sometimes it's about us having to step, step sideways for a period of time and, and fan the interest first. Yeah, that's cool. I really like that approach as well, because 
when you take that sort of big picture of a life and you really think about what you really want for your kids, if you really extend that beyond, I want them to get into university, for example, you, you, and you start to ask yourself, well, why do I want that? Why does that really matter? Oh, because I want them to be successful. Well, why? Why do you really want them to be successful? And, and when you really follow that thread, you start to get to these bigger values, I guess, of what you just described. And it just changes the whole approach. It does. It's it like, changes the conversation. And I, I think it gives us a better perspective around what we're asking both of our child, um, of ourselves, and also, I mean, teachers are extraordinary. They really are. Because when you have so many personalities and children of various interests and skills all in one class, and they are trying to find a way to guide them through a pre-prescribed sort of curriculum in a way that at least holds on to their interests as best they can. Um, that's, that's a mammoth task. But as parents, we have this wonderful ability to feed our, our child's interests based on what they actually love and what they're good at. Um, and so it is different. It is different for us. And we do have some more flexibility, but it also means we can go back and have those conversations with teachers around. Well, actually, um, yeah, I'm not going to do this particular home economics task because right now at our house, we're building, um, we're building a, a large chicken coop out the back. Um, and so my child's actually going to do that because this is what's important to our family right now. And this is where the interest lies, but we'll report on the same skills that you're trying to get out of it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it, it changes the conversation that we're having um, as well. So how do you deal with what you just described, like almost a, more of a freedom around it, following the thread of your child's interests? I love what you said about just sit there and just be with them, talk to them, listen find out what they're interested in. How do you marry that with a pre-prescribed structure? Like you said, there's a certain element of prescription. So you gave one example there, which was really cool. Um, how do you, how do you talk to your kids about that? In, depends on the age of the child, but looking at um, more that primary school than early high school age, we talk a lot at work around playing the game of school. Um, you need to know how to play the game um, because that's, this is part of, um, part of the journey. There are occasionally tasks we have to do that we don't enjoy, but it gives us an opportunity to learn some self-advocacy skills as well, some appropriate ones. Um, so deciding that you're just not going to turn up to school anymore is one way of letting us know that it's not going well. Um, throwing a throwing a chair across the room at the teacher is another way of letting us know it's not going well. But um, what we might be wanting to look at more is, okay, can you can we start this conversation and have that trusting relationship between child and parent where they're coming back and saying, you know what, I am so bored. Um, and we're seeing this a lot at the moment, um, kids that were able to complete their schoolwork in an hour or so. Um, during pandemic are wondering why they now need to be at school for six hours. Um, mm. And there's, they're able, what we want is that relationship that you can have. And this doesn't happen out of one conversation. This is an ongoing one that we have, have with our kids around what's, what are you enjoying at the moment? What are you interested in? Um, what's going well? What's, what's tricky? Because then when they start coming home and saying, I am, I am hating maths 
at the moment, I hate doing it. We don't say, gosh, you're not really a maths person. Um, <laughs> this is when we can start saying, okay, wow, we don't have any, we haven't found a way to make maths mean something to you and be valuable to you. So let's, let's see how we can have a look, at, a look at that. And then counteracting that at the same time with, um, let's put some extra effort into the stuff that you're really loving. Yes. so that we protect that self-esteem so when it's prescribed um, once we have that problem solving relationship it makes it much easier for us to come at the problems of well you know you may not ever see the value in um, algebra or whatever it is that you're working in geometry but let's work out a way that we can make it more interesting for you or more valuable do you know simply the idea of coming at your child with what they do well is like revolutionary. I really just, I'm really getting the complete element of what you're describing. Like if every parent took that on, write a list of what your kid does well and what they're great at. I think that could be a complete shift because who, like who really loves when someone comes at them with all the things that are crap, this reminds me, like I'm thinking as a sports person, like as an athlete, there's some really interesting studies done on athletes who win gold medals by simply honing in and perfecting what they're amazing at. Yes. And there's, it was like a case study with a wrestler, I think. Every single person in the world knew their move. They had three key moves and they were the best. What the other, they kind of did this study of the other athlete or the other wrestler worked on the thing like basically for four years worked on that thing that they weren't good at their move that they weren't good at mm -hmm. and just really saw the difference and the power of those two approaches. And it was really amazing how every single person knew that wrestlers moves, but they just did it so well. Yep. Like Ronda Rousey. I mean, some of you don't know who that is, but an MMA fighter, female considered one of the best fighters in the world. And she had this judo move because that was her background. And everyone knew, and they all would say, I'm not going to get caught in that move. And they got caught in that move. <laughs> now that's just one example. So that, sorry, my athlete mind's taking over a little bit with that, but I mean, I think that's, it's that it is, it's that sense of go hard with what they're good at and they're interested in because that's the way they're wired. Um, and they're wired to be successful with that and you know yourself if you are given the opportunity to do more of something that you love you usually do it and you enjoy it and then you want to do more of it so it's that self-fulfilling uh, prophecy and what we know even in the research now is that when we go strengths-based right from the beginning um, it pulls the other skills along with it because it encourages that but when we focus on deficits we're just we're diminishing that spark um, and no one likes it. I mean, I, I am a terrible singer. And if someone was to turn around to me and say, guess what? You're going to go to singing lessons twice a week now. I would probably find multiple reasons to not attend um, because it's not something I enjoy um, or have any particular burning desire to get better at. But if they were to turn around and do something in child development, I'd be there in five minutes because it's, it's what I love. And our kids are no different as an adult. If you know, we, automatically choose careers that hone in on what we're interested in and we're good at. Okay. We got to keep going on this for a sec. Cause I have an inner skeptic 
and I can just hear other parents coming out with them. So my mind went to two places there. So when, as we just talked about this before we pressed the go button, didn't we? About as we get older, we're like literally fine tuning even more our strengths, the things we love, what we don't love. And I feel like we have, maybe not, but it feels like we have more freedom, more than ever to say that. How do you help kids who are going through school and there's elements there that are the singing lesson is on the way to passing, I guess. So you called it the school game. Like, is it understanding the full game? I think of it as an athlete. It's like, oh, well, I don't like running. So I know Nat hated running. I guess, you know, my mind's answering it by going, well, she found other ways around that. But is there an element of, you ha- like, you got to do it. Yeah, and, and look, certainly at a school age, there, there is. And I'm, I come at it from two different places. There is the, I don't really enjoy this. It's not my favorite thing to do, but I'll do it um, mentality, which is, which is fine. And as long as we balance that out with, but let's make sure there's plenty of time for you to do the things that are important to you. If you're struggling with maths, you're not going to do maths tutoring every afternoon of the week because you might do that once, but you might then be off at your, at your little athletics or your swimming lessons or whatever it is that you're doing that you love. And that's how we balance, balance it out. That sometimes you've got to do things that are tricky or hard or less interesting for you. And sometimes you get to focus on what you love. And as long as there's a balance, you know, that's, that's the way that um, the world usually works. I don't think anyone will ever have a job where they can completely do only the parts of it that they, that they enjoy. But the, my only um, qualifier to that, um, and Sarah, you'll appreciate this one, obviously knowing, knowing my son, is when you have children that are budding perfectionists. Because our budding perfectionists tend to talk themselves out of something before they've tried. And it's a fear of participating, a fear of attempting it that um, reduces their participation, not just a lack of interest. And in those cases, um, we want to make sure that it's not fear of trying something new or fear of being unsuccessful that stands in the way. You don't have to be great at it, but you've also got to have the ability to try things sometimes that you're not brilliant at and to give them a go and be comfortable sitting in a space where it might go wrong um, and that's a different um a different mentality my as you know my son decided um two years ago that he was never going to use a pencil which is obviously going to be problematic for him um moving forward <laughs> in life given he hasn't started formal schooling yet and so in that case because that's something you know there are ways around it but he was going to make life really unnecessarily complicated for himself um, and that was completely through fear of failure. So in our case, anything that involves a pencil in our house has to have meaning and purpose and be something that he's going to be successful at and love. And now we've crossed that, we've crossed that boundary. But in his case, it was things like we're, we're going to draw the picture for the birthday list. Um, we're not going to sit down and do tracing sheets because that just reinforces that this is something that you don't like. Um, but we're going to draw these draw these pictures or write the words for the list or actually we can't put ice cream on the shopping list until we've um someone needs to write it there and i'm not doing it um (laughs) so it's about putting some meaning to it for them um just to hold their interest long enough to get them over the line 
Yeah, well, great distinction. Also, what you just said about find meaning for them versus do it because I said so. You know, I think that's not that meaningful. And what the precursor to that is you have to get to know them. You do. You've got to make them tick. Which I think is actually overall, no matter what, the opportunity of isolation was getting to know. And I think we got to know ourselves a bit more as parents. Even what you just described, that what you just said about, oh, I got to know that I try to get involved or I try to dictate or I try to control the, the game or the situation. But they're always telling us stuff. Like everything they do is an indicator. Like they're always kind of giving the roadmap, but are we there to actually hear it and listen? And I, I get it wrong um, even as a parent all the time. And what I've learned now is that if I feel like I need to throw money resources, um, a different program at something, it's usually because it's not working um, and I'm feeling out of my depth and I haven't drilled down to find out what's actually going on. And it's nearly, in my case, it's nearly always that I've tried to make a step too big. And so they feel like they're not going to be successful that I've tried to add something that I think would be interesting as an adult to it. And it's essentially taken away the joy of discovery um, because I've made it about output instead of about the process of, of exploring and discovering it yourself Um, or that I have forgotten to put um, their interests and our relationship first. Mm, Wow. I mean, I just want to acknowledge what has spurred on this desire to do this call because I get to enjoy you all the time on play dates. Um, and I really am so grateful that for our friendship and just who you are, because you, you actually treat me as a mum just that way that you described, like you're always, that's, I always call you the uplifter, but now I get how she does it. I'm like, I get the science behind this thing because she's always focusing on my strengths as a mum. It's like just in your personality now, I think, to just do that. And then she always talks about Jordan like that. But what I noticed when Jordan came home from isolation was a sense of like, should. Is she supposed to be reading already? Is she supposed to be counting? Why is she writing backwards numbers? Oh my God, she's dyslexic. You know, like, oh my God, she chalked it out backwards. She's dyslexic. She's going to start, you know, this is what happens. The mind goes, oh my God, she's going to have a life of dyslexia. Okay. So what's that involved? Next thing you know, I'm, I've got her in a new school and like, this is all in my head guys. And then I've got my own way of being that I get Fiona to soothe. And then I have friends writing to me after another podcast going, yeah, you know, my daughter, this and expectations. And it was virtually the same things that my mind was going through without them getting you. So in comes Fiona, who happens to be a PhD, but doesn't matter apparently, because she was just following her interests. So Fiona, I just can't thank you enough. I I do think there's another call in this because you've kind of sparked like a thousand other things I want to ask, but I really appreciate this. I feel like it's so poignant and like, boom, what people really, really, really want to know right now. Thank you. My pleasure. I always appreciate your curiosity. And again, just, just to reinforce, this was hard. It's not that everyone got it wrong. Um, and as parents, it's not that we got it wrong. There is no other situation in which you would be expected to work, to educate multiple children, to run a family, to cope in a pandemic, um, to manage family dynamics with no notice, um, which is what we all, all ended up doing. And it wasn't, 
it wasn't that parents got it wrong it's that it was hard and and there wasn't time for people to go into it and be educated first absolutely and for all of people i know in different parts of the world some that wrote to me are still in that situation um, i think that this is really timely as well thank you for being so understanding and accepting um, i think it's undervalued and underestimated how much that matters so thank you so much for being my friend and for being willing to do this with your last brain cell appreciate you we so appreciate you listening to the show don't forget to join the community on Facebook by searching In The Game Podcast. There you can download your three-step journal and participate in our weekly live video chats. Wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. You've got to rate and review the show. And I know all the podcasts are always asking this. And in the past, I wasn't doing it. And the reason I wasn't doing it is because I actually didn't know how to do it. So... Open your podcast player and click on our show from your library, not the listen now. That's where I was going wrong in the past. So now that you know how to do it, when you go there, make sure you give us a five-star review. Five stars, five stars, five stars. And then click on write a review link to actually write a review so that you can tell other people that we're legit and even funny, maybe a bit serious. So if you want to recommend this to someone, you have to... Put your fingers on the keys and send us a review. Thanks.